Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Coulter, everybody's looking for a way to stand out when it comes to marketing. Our friends at Western Birch have done exact our friends at Western Birch Tees have done exactly that. Customized logos on bulk order golf tees for your company, your organization, and that includes us, 1029 ESPN Radio. Love it. So stay tuned because we are going to have some ESPN Missoula tees to give out, to win, a bunch of other ways you can acquire these tees. If you go to westernbirch.com right now, you can see these high-quality hardwood golf tees. There's a bunch of different color schemes. They're just standard. I know if you're a golfer, you're going to need a bunch of tees, and these are really well-priced. You can order them online, deliver right to your doorstep. But if you do want some of those custom-made tees, whether it's just for you or for marketing purposes or to give to your buddies, if you order a thousand tees right now for $149, they can put your business's logo on there or any other logo that you want. And you can get as many as 2,500 of these custom made tees. They'll last you all summer. They're functional, but they're also something that people will certainly remember. So go to westernbirch.com right now to order your custom made premium hardwood golf tees. Welcome back to Tell New Honors, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television across the state. Hi, how are you? Great to be with you. Thanks for letting us hang out with you on this Monday afternoon. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, check it out on the podcast, the Tell New Honors podcast, available everywhere you get your podcasts, all the platforms. Just search Tell New Honors and uh, enjoy it. All right, rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Podcast available anytime you get your podcast anywhere, thanks to Blackfoot and our friends at Alpine Touch. Uh, if you'd like to listen live, you can do that online, 1029ESPN.com. Listen live all the time 
on the stream. Thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. We got some NBA stuff to get into, but just quickly, uh, coming up this week, we're excited. We have Riley Corcoran, the uh, voice of the Grizz, going to join us, talk about his offseason as it's been, which would normally be his offseason anyway, but an offseason that started a little earlier and is probably lasting a little longer than he had anticipated. Well, so. he's not sitting at Dodger Stadium. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, okay. Uh, I'm sure he, he will be shopping on the golf at the course, though. Well, that's that's there's no surprise there. So we will uh, we'll talk with Riley. Looking forward to that. I believe Sean Rainey is going to join us on the show, and also uh, on Wednesday our ESPN roundtable. Very excited to have the athletic director at the University of Montana, Kent Haslam, joining us uh, for the roundtable Wednesday. So make sure you tune into that. Uh, plenty of stuff to cover and get through uh, uh, with the AD at UM. Uh, on on all kinds of topics, uh, certainly uh, uh, this 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 spring and summer, uh, Coulter, you said we got to talk a little NBA and not just last dance NBA, but like actual NBA. So okay, uh, what do you want to do? You said let's talk young cores. Who's got the best young core of players in the NBA? Uh, I had a what I thought was a winner in the clubhouse. In fact, I thought it was not even going to be close. I have decided it is close. It's between one of two teams, a team that I thought and a team that you presented, which I'm I'm in agreement with. But there's a handful of teams out there. You've listed four of them. I've added one to this list as well. Uh, but I want to go through some of these teams that have uh, a really good young core of players, young talent, and what they uh, you know what we might project out in the next two, three years of basketball as, as the rising teams in the league based on what they have uh, at their disposal right now. The team that I was very confident in would win this award, and I'm not so sure they're not going to win this award, is the New Orleans Pelicans. They obviously have Zion Williamson, who, when it comes to the youth side of this, does win it objectively. He's the youngest. I don't know if he's 19 still or if he's now 20 years old. But uh, uh, the the young superstar who... The only question is health because you've seen enough, right, at this point of Zion playing in the NBA to go, yep, that's that's the real deal right there as a player if he can stay, you know, with his knees and his ankles and all that kind of stuff, stay right. I'm still not sold. Oh, my God. Uh, no, I'm completely sold on him as an individual superstar who can definitely put up numbers in the NBA. I don't know if he's good enough. I, I Okay, it's not that he's not good enough. I don't know where his game translates into – being the type of superstar you need to be to lead your team to a championship in this NBA. If if this was 1999, I'd say Zion Williamson is the most untradeable asset in the entire National Basketball Association. I still think he's an unbelievable star. His power, the the power and explosiveness that he plays with, is honestly second to none. I mean, second it's, to none. It's Charles Barkley esque. He's yeah. he's unbelievable and he when it comes to that. Barkley. Oh, he's like when Dar- when Barkley was playing, Zion's got him by 40. 40. Yeah. Right. Totally. All right. I just in a in a seven game series in the NBA, it all comes down to can you guard the high pick and roll? If you can't, how much do you hurt your team or can you offset it by shooting threes or can you shoot threes yourself? I don't know if he has any of those in a seven game series. Although he's the one that's going to get you to the playoffs, he's going to get you to the seventh game. In that seventh game, how does he guard Steph Curry in the high pick and roll? I just don't know. It it remains to be seen to me. Just in this NBA, I think he has just a couple holes that he needs to fill 
But well, he had, I, I do I do love him. I, I do love him. There's I, no I, doubt he's got holes to fill, but I think that he is he is going to be better than just fine. Uh, but though it's not just him, of course, because with the trade, Lonzo Ball, 22 years of age, sure. more uh, Brandon Ingram, 22 years, still really not sold on either of those guys, and Josh Hart, 25. Yeah, I mean they're all really they're all good. Okay. I, I just I, I mean are, 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 would you take would you take Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram over Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? Because I wouldn't not one single day of the week. Not one single day of the week. And I would take all four of those guys total though over those two. And show me else when you talk about young core. When we go to Boston, Jason Tatum is how old is he? 20, 21. 21. Jalen Brown's twenty three. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's it, though, for youth. If we're going to frame this in the in the in the story of a youth, you got Marcus Smart, who's a, a, a veteran player. Gordon Hayward, the same thing. Kemba Walker's thirty years old. Kemba Walker's thirty. So yeah. when you got, they have a great Gordon roster. Hay- Gordon Hayward's thirty. So okay, <clears throat> they have a great roster, but they're two young superstars. But, I mean, only Cantor's only twenty six. How old's Marcus Smart? I don't think he's as old as you think. Oh, twenty six. Yeah. Okay, but like that's I mean that's right in the heart of like the middle of your your basketball career in the NBA. 26 years old, 27 years old. It's young, but it's not young like a youthful core. No no question. The only reason I dig my heels in on the Pelicans is I think that the I think that in this NBA the two biggest weaknesses you can possibly have as a team or an individual or that an individual can bring to a team is not being able to shoot and not being able to guard in the high pick and roll. Lonzo Ball can't shoot. No. Yeah. Because I mean, when we're talking, I mean, I think that your, better, pro- but yeah. your projection as the Pelicans being a 50-win team in a couple years and being a playoff team, that's great. But right now the NBA is so tiered, right? There's only four or five teams that could have any, any chance to win it. And so can the Pelicans ever get to that point? Could they get to the point where they could beat the Clippers in a seven-game series? I don't know. A lot to be seen, and that's what this. I mean, this is all about speculation. And, and I mean, for cer- sure, certainly not now, but in three years, they're going to be better than the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers are even if the Clippers maintain the guys that they have. I mean, how? Mm, I don't know, know though, because I mean, William, that's that's Pat the assum- that's the assumption that we always say, though, right? It, we always assume that people are, and teams, individuals, are always going to exponentially get better and that's actually usually not the case okay the other we'll, we'll see but uh no i i mean i like i like your pick as as the pelicans i i do think that the maybe the celtics because like you said two of their core players kemba walker and gordon hayward are 30 okay so let's remove them there's a couple other from this teams argument. though that, uh, that we want to get to the utah jazz obviously donovan mitchell 23 years old and is an outstanding you know all-star caliber player and and i think is going to be a star in this league for a long, long time, and I'm not going out on some small predictive limb saying that. Rudy Gore, Gobert, 27, 27 years old. He's, he's, you know, again, what what amounts to youth in the context of this conversation? I, I mean, he's certainly I, a young I, enough I, I guy. I would say, but, I would say, would you agree with this that the hinge point of youth in the NBA is 28 years old? Well, I would say that 27 to 28 is the medium age. So I would not right. say that it's like. If, if you're older than that, you're a, you're an older veteran player. If you're younger than that, you're young. But this isn't like would I consider Rudy Gobert a young core player? No, I would consider him like an NBA veteran center. Like this is the time. This is the time when he's supposed to be producing. Donovan Mitchell. I mean, when I say producing, 
you know, leading the team. He's he's taking them to wherever he's going to get them now. Donovan Mitchell, I think there's still years of a couple of years of growth for him as a player ahead of him. But beyond those two guys, who else did the Jazz have that's young, right? Jangles, he's he's an older he's guy. Yeah. yeah, I mean they they have. Uh, uh, Jordan they, Clarkson's still young. Did they bring in Mike Conley? He's in Utah. Mike and he's, Conley, he's, he's 32. He's though. old. So, you know, it's it's Donovan Mitchell is the really the yeah. centerpiece of this. So I don't go with the Jazz on this conversation. Gus, the first meal I had outside my own home following the quarantine was at your house. Brought over a bunch of meat. I brought over my Alpine Touch, but I didn't bring it home. I forgot it at your place. Our first meal was made better, as every meal is made better, by Alpine Touch on basically everything. I put Alpine Touch hickory smoke on my cereal in the morning. <laughs> it's it's reached that level of usage. And the fact that you left it, I knew that you left it at my house. You brought it over, left it at my house. And like a real jerk, I said nothing to you because I was like, well, that's mine, dude. That's it. You came to my house. You left it in my house. And I'm eating all of it. We've gotten so far into this Alpine Touch obsession, I think, that I just think we might be able to host a podcast about all the things that you can make with Alpine Touch. It would be short, everything. (laughs) They have a bunch of different varieties of spices, as we know. Uh, They are local from the state of Montana, Shoto Shout Out Original Alpine Touch, and It's great when it's not just local, when it's not just supporting the state of Montana, but when it's also actually the best thing that you can get. I mean, when it comes to spices, uh, it's second to none. So, boys and girls, use your Alpine Touch. Colter, tell them where they can get it. AlpineTouch.com, no matter where you're at in the entire world listening to this, if you are in the United States of America and you make an order of over $50, which, you know, if you get yourself the Grand Slam and maybe some barbecue sauce, some sunflower seeds, you're there. Free shipping anywhere in the United States of America right now. Uh, so go to alpinetouch.com. They're rolling out all their summer Big Mountain flavor packages. The sunflower shoots are really, really good as well. Alpine Touch has got you covered. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. Do you have a team that's not on this list? I got one. I don't. Who's okay. yours? The one other team that I thought of, and I went and kind of took a look at it, but it's the Sacramento Kings. Oh, yeah. Buddy Heald is 27 years old, so he wouldn't fit my criteria necessarily, as is Bogdanovich, okay? And Bogdanovich broke his wrist yesterday. Yeah, so he's so he's, he's out for the season. He's out for the year. If the season happens. But De'Aaron Fox. And love De'Aaron Fox. Love him. And, and I'm I don't, actually obsessed with De'Aaron Fox. I still don't know yet. about. I haven't just watched him enough to know about Marvin Bagley and what I think about him as an NBA player. But those are two very high draft picks, lottery picks, 22 and 21 years of age, sure. to go with a buddy healed. So I think there's... Well, and Harrison Barnes is still only 26, even though he's been in the league forever. Is he really? Yeah, well, because yeah. he's been in the league since he was 18 years old. <laughs> right. I mean, so... Uh, but I, I, mean, I, I like J- the Kings Jabari in this conversation. Par- I mean, Japari Parker just turned 25. Yeah. Who, who knows what he... What, I mean, they have... They have the potential. Say Jabari Parker and Harry Giles the third got back to where they once and Marvin Bagley. Those three are all three damaged goods who are, but they're really young. Mm-hmm. I mean, Harry Giles is only twenty two, mm-hmm. and Parker just turned twenty five and holds Bagley twenty twenty one twenty one. Okay, so if if even two out of those three get back to mm-hmm. what they once were, I mean, you're, you're talking about Giles would have been a top five pick if you didn't have the injury history. Bagley was the number two overall pick. Jabari Parker was the number two overall pick. So you have massive talent in Sacramento. But we say this. I actually love that. I actually love that. I okay. So here's here's my argument. Okay. 
the Pelicans have absolutely more star power because Lonzo Ball and Zion Williamson, despite all their strengths and all their weaknesses, they are two of the most recognizable names in the NBA, period, regardless of how old and, they are. And Lonzo Ball, what we've talked about, he's struggled to. He's gotten a little better, but he's not He's not a great shooter. He's certainly nothing like the, the three-point threat that you would like him to be. Right. But in, in every other aspect of the game, right, defensively, his ability to pass, his oh, court vision, oh. like, he's next level, right? So oh, I mean, he's a passing savant. He, okay. He's a six seven Jason Kidd. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's and, good. and remember, once upon a time, Jason Kidd couldn't shoot, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. by the time Jason Kidd's career was over. I think he's third NBA history and made threes. Yeah, well, if you play for 94 years, you're going to make some. <laughs> but also, if you just learn, like, the thing that Jason Kidd did is that he accepted not having the, I'm going to create my own shot and shoot a three-pointer off the dribble or in transition. He just straight up learned how to catch and shoot. Mm-hmm. Because then you can be the facilitator, the point guard, and then after, if the play goes and away rotate from you, around. just go stay yeah. in the corner, and then if, if you can hit that shot, though, makes you exponentially better. Yeah. Um, no, I actually, but here's, I would argue this, though. I actually really like the Sacramento Kings young core more than the New Orleans Pelicans, but there's just so many ifs, and that's the, right. that's the biggest question. The 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 potential, or can we say the the drafting expectations, if taken as a whole, you know, if you if you added all of that together, would probably be the highest for Sacramento, uh, because they have they have a lot of young great players, and they got a a, a number of young expected to be great but will they in fact be great players and and that's you know that's the open book on sacramento by the way very underwhelming i mean where where are they at in the west i mean are they last in the west or close to it i mean they they for all of that talent even though it's young you got to be better than that if you actually are that good you got to be better than what sacramento here's one actually that i think you and i will agree on and this is one we just glossed over because the franchise has been so irrelevant for the last 20 years Mm mm-hmm the Orlando Magic. Mm. You talk yeah. about, about a what if. What if Markel Fultz can Absolutely. look like the number one pick yeah. again? Mm-hmm. He well, seemed ever. like well, see, but I mean, he seemed like he's he's getting better. Yes, he he kind of bit the bullet and decided to stop. He, he he's got the yips when it comes to shooting. He can't shoot, but he he's got a Kyrie Irving level get to the rim. I mean, he's like Russell Westbrook almost. He's not not athletic and explosive, but his his get to first the step rim and is... like his pull up. Man, it's unstoppable. It's unstoppable. Yes, it I is. mean, it's like we had Kendall Manuel on the ESPN Roundtable earlier this year, and we were asking him, you know, hey, you played with Trace Tinkley, played against this guy, this guy, DeAndre Ayton, and, you know, a variety of other guys who were top, you know, lottery picks. And he said, absolutely no question, the best guy I played in, against in the Pac 12 is Markel Fultz. Yeah. And so if he could get back to that level, you pair him with Aaron Gordon, Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba. Yeah. I mean, I guess Vucevic is, is probably 28 now, so mm-hmm. he's. Not quite in that young, 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 but I mean, I, I like the I like that. I mean, Evan Fournier is twenty six. Okay, I mean, but we're burying the lead because the team that might actually win this thing, it is the team you got right. This is the team that you think. Yeah, like, if I you're mean, gonna I, pick a team. It's this team, right? It's the Denver Nuggets. Tell them. I mean, the, the Denver Nuggets have so many young, good players. I mean, Jokic is twenty four. Jamal Murray is twenty three. Twenty three. Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, Michael 21. Porter Jr. I mean, to talk about another what if that that's right. crazy how many young guys there's it's crazy how many young mm-hmm. athletic power forward type guys there are in the league. Gary that, Harris, I think he's twenty five. Could, could be really good. That but it's such a big what if. That's that is the part about this that makes it so tenuous, is just the commodity of the player. It it's it's interesting uh to me where 
between between Jamal Murray and and Jokic, that's as good as it gets in terms of a proven young tandem. Well, it's actually not. Boston's got the best proven young tandem. Uh, in, right. in Jalen Brown. Well, that's the other reason. Like, I, I, I understand that Kemba Walker and Gordon Hayward are are 30. Yes. So, but I also think that I I personally think that because he, uh, because of the way he, he conducts himself, he's so cool, calm, and poised, and he's not an in-your-face me guy. I truly think that Jason Tatum is one of the most underrated players in the entire he's, NBA. He, I, I, I mean, whether he's underrated at that level or not he certainly he is not the star that his skill set and and his team by the way being in boston yeah. suggests that he should be i mean, I mean he's, he's he's a star but he is nothing I mean, he's like, averaging 24 points per game this year though jason Tatum, he's 22 years old one of the best players in the in the nba he's one of the best right players now. in the nba i think that but i think that people just they just casually leave him off mm. not if you brought him up they'd say oh yeah he's in my top 15 but they would never name him off the top of their head because yeah. he doesn't provoke that top of mind awareness like so many of these other guys, because he doesn't—he's he, not in your face. He's not growling at you. But anyways, I, I agree though. I think as far as the, you know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are more proven, but I think that the upside and the potential. But are they more proven? Because I mean, Jokic and are. I mean, Jokic and Jamal Murray made it to the conference finals, and so did Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So where are we at? Yeah, I mean, I just think I mean Jokic is proven. I mean, he—he he to me, right now, he's probably the best player on this list. Jokic is. Uh, Jason Tatum, maybe uh, it's 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 kind of a toss up. They're so very different in what they do. All I'm saying is this: Joe, you know, Joe gets Jamal Murray, great. But if Michael Porter Jr. is you know realizes the potential that that he has, even if, you know, not, not not like he doesn't even have to be you know even, but you know, not like saying he's got to be a Hall of Famer or something like that. But if he becomes an All Star caliber player, then that is the best young. I mean, wasn't core. he the number one recruit in the country? Yes, coming out of high school. That's right. So he I went, mean, that means he went to Washington. I mean, that means your potential is better than dudes who are fired. already uh, that are already all stars. Yeah, yeah. No, he's he's he is, um, you know, he was unequivocal. And the reason that he's on Denver is is his injuries and his back. You know, and yeah. he, you know, that that is obviously a major major issue. But if he were to turn out, then then Denver would win this for me. I am still taking the New Orleans Pelicans. You're, you're, you you look at and see holes in the games of a number of the guys on this team, and rightfully so. And, and I understand what can't. you're saying about the state of affairs in the NBA right now, but I'm telling you that the state of affairs in the NBA right now is only that because guys with such elite skill sets came in and changed the nature of the game. That's true. And I don't know that Zion Williamson is that, but I, I do think that there are going to be teams that are going to figure out ways to win that aren't the sort of the blueprint of how you have to win in the NBA right now, a.k.a. shoot the three and put you in the the high pick and roll. There's going to be ways and coaches that are able to put that together to figure out a way to just be better than that enough. All you got to do is win by one. Right, you don't got to find out a whole new way to play basketball. You got to find out the way that you play basketball the best. And I think that that is an unbelievable group of players in New Orleans right now. Lots of balls got to learn how to shoot, because that's okay. the one thing you can't get. You're, you, what you just said is absolutely right, except for what do we see in playoff series? I mean, the Jazz, Ricky Rubio is really good. The Jazz had to get rid of him because when it came to two years in a row in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're playing four on five on offense because everybody just lays off you. It's the same thing as Rajon Rondo. But Rondo won a ring. 
Yeah, with three of the greatest players of his generation. Okay. Well, I mean, no, he did. He did. Rondo absolutely <laughs> did. I'll tell you this. If if Lonzo Ball can get to the point where uh, he's averaging eight or nine rebounds a game and is the type of defensive player that Rajon Rondo was, then then he can overcome it. But he's going to have to be that. I mean, he's he really, I think, does have to to make his say as much as he's been, you know, the passer and he's his unbelievable vision and all that. He has got to be dominant defensively because that's what he's built to be. I mean, what? How tall is Lonzo Six, Ball? Seven. And his length, like super it, long. I mean. So if you're going to be a point guard with that kind of, I mean, you got, you got to be, you got to go defensively, and you could be an absolute showstopper on that side of things. And maybe it's not the basketball everybody wants to watch or whatever, but you're going to win games. You know who's got the the most upside of any young under twenty five duo in the league, though, and I can't believe we left these guys off because it's not even that they're just running on potential; they actually. We're doing it this year until the season got. I can believe I left anybody off. The Dallas Mavs. Mm. I mean, Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. They, they, good. they already, I mean, Doncic was averaging 29 points per game. Yeah. 29, I mean, 9, and 9. already also one and of the best players in the league. Porzingis is averaging 19 and a half and 9 and a half. Ah. And, and Porzingis is still only 24. Mm-hmm. And Doncic is 20. Mm hmm. They're all, I mean, they were 40 and 27. They're fourth place in the in the West. Okay, which countries are those two from? Porzingis is from... Latvia, right? I think so. I think he's from Latvia. And Doncic is from... Slovenia? Slovakia? Slovenia. Slovenia. So Slovenia and Latvia. Mm-hmm. Man, let's get the Eastern Bloc going. If you put the best Eastern... Where's Jokic from? Yeah, you're right. Porzingis is from Latvia. Uh, Jokic is from Estonia. Okay, so if we got the Eastern Bloc All-Star team together, you know what? That's Give me that. Give me that group right there. Not against, like, the, quote, American All-Star team or whatever it is, but just against any team. I mean, forget it. You kidding me? It'd be great. It's 2TEL Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. A fine Monday afternoon to you. We hope you're all well. We appreciate you letting us be with you for a little while on this fine afternoon. Talk a little NBA. Speaking of the NBA, years by gone, the last dance, episodes 9 and 10. It wrapped up yesterday. I've been waiting for this for a long time. Now that it's over, I'm okay with it being over. Can rewatch a little bit of it. We'll talk about the last couple of episodes and the last dance as a whole right after this. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com business to learn more. The last dance when we needed it most 
five weeks of the 97-98 Bulls and most of Michael Jordan's basketball life all for us on ESPN. Man, that was great. It's Tutel Nuan is happy to be with you. If you'd like to, uh, you know, participate in the show, 361-3688. The phone number, again, 361-3688. All guests join us via the Raggage Brothers RV phone line. Coulter, let's start with episodes 9 and 10 last night, and then if we want to talk about it at a broader scale, taking it as a whole, we can. Yep. We uh, and we're going to talk extensively more about this with Sean Rainey from SWX Montana later on this week as well. And the theme of that conversation, I want to be things that we've learned, not just about Michael Jordan, but mostly about sports, the evolution of sports, uh, the overlay of sports in society. Yeah. Um, but we, I want to talk about these last two episodes because I thought they were. Um, you said you did, you were sort of disappointed. You thought it was a letdown. Whereas my brother, who has been bemoaning the fact that he's not learning anything, thought they were amazing. Is that right? Um, he, there was a couple of moments. Are you a two-timer guy? What? Do you watch these twice? Have you watched them twice? No. I, no I've See, watched, I've watched each of one of them three times. Eh, eh. Which means you've watched it once in total. But when he took you three times before, there wasn't something happening for each second. You know? Uh, yeah. Well, usually because we almost always watch them in, gr- in groups. On. Yeah. And so then you're talking and stuff, and uh, but I have here, here's the thing I've I've watched them all once, but completely uninterrupted. Okay, and then and then a couple of them a little bit more than that. Okay, here's here was my here's what I liked about these ones yesterday. Uh, you get you know I had forgotten the Rodman bit about the WWE thing during the finals. I mean, just uh, okay, unbelievable, but not, but still, and. The, the, I also really enjoyed, you know, we're in a situation now where I think they've got it set up where guys, if if they're coming to the same podium for a pro, post-game press conference, are certainly not going to see each other. Like one is entering from one side and exiting one side. Maybe they still run into each other. But his interaction with Bird after the Eastern Conference Finals was just too good to be true, just classic at the end of Episode 9. And then I thought the Malone-Stockton handshake when he left the podium, and then after they beat the Jazz, that Malone got on the bus and went down and shook, you know, MJ's hand. You know, I thought that was I, I thought that was great. Like, I really appreciated that. I don't know, you know, when, when a guy like, Coral Malone isn't there to be interviewed for something like this. Mm-hmm. When a guy like Luke Longley isn't there to be interviewed for something mm-hmm. like this, mm-hmm. you go, "Whoa, what's going on here?" Like you're, there's a there's a certain uh, noise that's made in the absence of some of the people who. Well, are yeah, not. I mean, Carl Malone probably just doesn't even have a phone. <laughs> He's just Malone's been semi- alligator hunting down yeah. in down in the bayou, whatever it is. But I guess so. So to see that though, you know, everybody talks about how much people hated each other and so forth and so on. And certainly, like the Isaiah Thomas Michael Jordan thing is a real like beef. Uh, but there also to see the respect that those guys had for one another and and so on was was uh, uh, you know great. The face on Larry Bird that you know that, that Larry Bird didn't make when. Uh, when was it where Reggie Miller makes the shot with like seven tenths of a second to go and the entire arena goes berserk and Larry Bird looks like he's watching paint dry. It's because he almost it's almost like he knows that that was actually bad. He's like because now Jordan is just going to kill you. You got no idea what we got to deal with now. Yeah, exactly. So it's I like when, was it's like when Nick Anderson does the forty five eight twenty three. 
when the Bulls are playing the Magic when Michael Jordan initially returns. And Horace Grant's sitting there. He's like, God, why did he say that? The My issue with the last two episodes was as follows. You know how they said that this thing wasn't done and they were really yeah. going to work? It felt like, with some exceptions which were solid gold, these were two documentaries about the Eastern Conference Finals in 1998 and the Finals in 1998. Like, it was... It was just all about the games and the basketball. And obviously that's important. And I love seeing the the, the, the reviews of, of that. But what I'm here for this documentary for is not what happened on the court. Like you got to know what took place. I want to see... I want to see what happened behind the scenes after leading up to it. I thought Isn't all this, that what the first eight episodes were? I mean, yes, that's why I liked them so much. And I wanted this to be like, like the story about his security guard, Gus, you know, and, and that relationship. I thought that was really, really interesting. I didn't know that. I thought that was uh, a poignant and, and there was, you know, a lot of depth in that. But I don't need a recap of games one through seven you know, over the course of 25, 30 minutes, just tell me what happened. Okay, okay, we're there. Now go on and get me in between games. Get me in the hotel afterwards. Get me all of that stuff. That's what I like. The other thing that bothered me is this. Even though Jerry Reinsdorf said, look, I brought Phil in and offered him, I said, you know, I'm going to offer you this contract. Clearly, this is, you You. You are pouring water on a fire that's not only burning, it's, oh, it's out. Like you're pouring water on the ashes of a fire that used to be there in terms of the relationship between Phil Jackson and Jerry Krause. We never, over the course of this whole 10 episodes, got, a, got an explanation as to what happened there. He brought, he brought in Phil Jackson over Doug Collins eight years ago when Doug Collins was beloved as a head coach, certainly by Michael Jordan. And that was clearly a great move. And Jerry Krause, once again, received a lot of credit in, in this thing, and that's fine. But why is it, we have these ideas of why it is, but there's no, not just firsthand from Phil Jackson, but people who were there that could say, well, this is the thing that caused such angst and such drama and was such a problem. And at some point, it still falls on Reisdorf and the, and the fact and that Kraus. 100% it's on Kraus, but it's on if he's not willing to move, which it seems like he wasn't, then right. it's on you, the owner. And to go there after the season and go, look, let's bring you back and let's see what happens sure. is fine, but it's still not explanatory. You know what I mean? It still doesn't make sense. And for Jordan to go, no, I can't accept this. I can't accept that right. we didn't get to run it back and go for number seven. Right. And and it has always bothered me. And when he goes, that's a ridiculous answer. If you tell me you can come back one-year contract, Phil yeah. Jackson, one-year contract, he goes, for Pip, it would have been harder. But if he knows we're all coming back for one year, guess who's got the most influence in trying to get him back for yet another year? Yeah. It would be Mike. And they never explored that opportunity. He said, oh, well, Phil doesn't want to come back. Okay, the whole thing's over. And that is, it's still, uh, well, irksome. To Michael Jordan and the rest of us, but it seemed to me that the implication was from everybody else that it wasn't. I think that we want people to chase glory forever. And I would say that Phil Jackson's greatest strength is knowing when a moment in time is happening and knowing when a moment in time is over. Mm -hmm. Everything that Phil Jackson said... I thought implied, if not directly stated, it was over. No, what the the fire? I mean, he, 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 I mean, he said, in the, I, in I the mean, coffee he, can? Like, like he said, he said we had a wonderful run. 
It ended when it ended, and that's when it needed and had to end. That's what it was meant to be. I think when you when you can close a chapter and walk away with grace, that's something that so many humans, especially men, have such a hard time doing, right? It's so hard to swallow your pride. How many athletes have actually gone out riding off in the sunset? That's Very right. few. I mean, two. Yeah, mo- most Bill Russell and— Peyton and John Elway. And Peyton Manning, John Elway, right. Yeah. But even they were shells of themselves as players— Comparatively, yeah, I mean, John, John Elway. John Elway was pretty. John he was pretty good, but he wasn't. He wasn't the greatest arm in the history of football. Okay, but I also wouldn't argue that he hung on. No, no, he didn't long. hang on too long. But but we never, ever, ever saw that group of guys have any slight moment of vulnerability. Yeah, it, they wrecked people for six out of eight years. That's it. That's all. And then it was over. I think that helps add to your legend so much. I I agree. Imagine if Tom Brady plays four years in Tampa Bay and he's just not good. It will impact the way that we think about him, even though he's already solidified himself as one of the all-time greats. It will impact the way that we think about him. I I don't think it will. In fact, I'm sure that it won't. Does well, what does what Joe Montana was in Kansas City matter to anybody? No. Yeah, no, you're right. But regardless, the I thought from somebody that just from analyzing this from a filmmaking and documentary perspective, as someone that's watched a lot of documentaries. Mm-hmm. I thought that the way that they weaved the two storylines together, I understand that for the common fan, it was probably kind of confusing. I've watched this with a lot of people that they would go back and forth between the 93 finals and the 96 mm-hmm. Eastern Conference finals. And mm-hmm. so where are we? What What's happening? But if you really know the arc of it and the way that they right. overlaid it and then foreshadowed, foreshadowed, foreshadowed. Well, it is set up to me, Jordan and, and Reggie fight, you know, in order to exactly, get to the finals exactly, and show exactly. you what's going on here. Yeah. Brilliant editing, brilliant filmmaking. Yep. The entire documentary, though, to me, was about the last eight minutes. It was the culmination of the last eight minutes mm-hmm. where they put it into perspective. I mean, President Obama gives that monologue about what Mike, how Michael Jordan changed the world. The culture. Yeah, this changed the culture. The culture yeah. Turned sports into sports entertainment. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, I mean, this is the thing that's crazy. Michael Jordan takes a lot of heat for not taking a direct political stand like so many guys that came before and after him have done, especially as African-American and or minority star athletes. Right. Michael Jordan kicked down more doors than anybody. He just didn't do it by screaming down your throat that he was doing it. He didn't do it by protesting a war. And I don't, I'm not saying there's one better way or more, um, you know, one that should be praised more, but the world at large accepts... I mean, Michael Jordan was one of the absolute pioneers of that, of, of making it that it's not about race. Everyone in the world loved Michael Jordan. Yeah, He he, he brought people that from all sectors of the globe together. I thought that part was amazing. But I've been, we, you and I have been talking all back and forth, you know, his athleticism, his drive, his competitiveness, just how amazing he is. Yeah. That, his ability to handle fame, it was all summed up. And Robert Roberts, Robin Roberts quote. Mm. I'll tell you after this. Okay, we'll come back. We'll tell you Robin Roberts quote and the summation of the whole thing next. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com business to learn more.
are ways to be good, not as many to be great, but there's only one way to be the best of all time. It's Tutel and Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. SWX Montana Television as well across the state. If you missed anything in the show, check it out on the podcast. The podcast available wherever you get your podcast. Tutel and Nuanas, search it, rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate that. The podcast available all the time. Thanks to Blackfoot and Alpine Touch. Uh, all right, Coulter. What was the one line that stood out to you more than any other line from this past one that you think is the summarization of the last dance in Michael Jordan? The scene, he's getting off the bus. He's wearing his practice jersey and his sunglasses and his hat. And he's instantly swarmed by reporters, and they're asking him all these questions. And as as always, he's being as cordial, engaging, polite, and entertaining as he always is. The only athlete I could ever think of that was never mean to the media, at the end of it, he always would say, I love you guys. <laughs> right. Even though he wasn't he, he would he wasn't even hearing their question. He goes, and, yes, no, whatever, maybe. Right, right. But he always gives them the smile. Right. But as that he's walking in, they play the quote over the top. I thought it was Robin Roberts, but it might have been another. It was a female voice, though. Okay. And she said, Michael's gift is that he was completely present all of the time. It wasn't about how high he could jump, how fast he could run, or even his competitiveness. Being present at all moments was the ultimate separator. I thought that of all the lessons we could learn, because you or I or almost no one could ever replicate what Michael Jordan, his athletic gifts. Sure. Those are just, they came from who made you. But you can be present. And I thought that was a, an unbelievable quote to cap what I thought was an unbelievably well done documentary, one of the greatest sports documentaries I've ever seen. Greatest. The greatest. Boys and girls, enjoy. We'll see you tomorrow. Tutel Nuanas, ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.